Blue 42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! This is the Game Managers Podcast. The Internet's one and only sports podcast. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Game Managers Podcast. I am Nick, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Justin Knight. Oh, how's it going? Oh, Justin, I think it's going well for everyone in the state of Alabama, whether you're an Alabama fan or an Auburn fan. Would you agree with that? Um, I mean, I wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> um, but sure, if you want to say that, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Justin, if you don't mind, today we're going to talk about the Iron Bowl, put a cap on that, and mm. look forward to the uh, SEC Championship, the final playoff rankings the week after, the Heisman Trophy, all those many things. Um, but first, really fast, I want to do a quick plug for our other podcasts. Uh, Rank the Most Iconic Years in Sports is a podcast we do, Justin, that breaks down a uh, different years in sports history we pick one randomly every week and talk about the biggest moments that's right so if you want to learn about you know if you're just like man what happened in 1960 we haven't done 1960 maybe we will at some point but if you're just curious hey maybe we'll do it down the road but if you really want to know a year you could also send us an email and maybe we'll do that year Mm, that's right you can email us at GameManagersPod at gmail.com or RankedSportsPod at gmail.com. We'll get back into that in a bitty bit when we go to a fan email later in the episode. Uh, but first, Justin, how about some Twitter news? Twitter news! Playoffs? Let's talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. It really doesn't matter what you think. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. Okay, so this comes from Andy Staples. A bunch of Florida players in shorts and helmets just tried to run over and intimidate the entire Florida State team, which is in full pads. Not optimistic about the football IQ today. (laughs) Did you see this before the game? (laughs) Uh, No, yeah, I saw that that they were getting... uh... I mean, Florida's done this for years, though. They, and they've done it under Mullen. You know, they had the brawl with Missouri. Um, I think it was last year or a couple years ago. Um, and that, they had an issue with another team, too. But they, they've got players on there that think they can just run over there. And, yeah, they're what they, would you say? They're in shorts and just a T-shirt. And the other team, Florida State's got their pads on. And they're just ready to go. <laughs> like, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck to you if you actually initiate that fight. Yeah, that's the reason they're barely, they barely made it to bowl eligible. So. Uh, this tweet comes from Pick 6 Previews. Uh, Justin, this one might hurt a little. I apologize. But Auburn blew a 99.9% win probability, led by 7 yeah. with uh, with the ball, 2 minutes left, allowed a 99-yard drive with 90 seconds left. Uh, this is according to ESPN's probability chart, of course. Yeah, yeah. Towards, I don't know if you can tell the exact moment. Oh, you can. Okay. So it was 99. It was close to 99, I think. Yeah, 99.7. 
with one minute and 32 seconds left. Mm. Mm, yeah. That's rough. Mm. So. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a bit. Uh, this one comes from Alex Bram. Uh, Alabama had 11 penalties for 129 yards. Auburn had seven penalties for 52 yards. You'd never guess which side is complaining they lost because of the officiating. You know, but here's my argument toward that. Alabama just had more penalties. Alabama looked a lot sloppier. Would you agree? Uh, I mean, yeah, there were times they were sloppy, and then, I mean, I'll agree there's some penalties that shouldn't happen, but... Um, and yeah, some that I mean, should have happened. <laughs> yeah, some, yeah, like that face mask there at on Tank at the uh, end. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I won't talk about that because you shouldn't blow a game like that anyways. But, um... But but yeah, I mean, it, it's it also fair. Place. It's also fair to call out when something is missed. It's not like you're sitting here saying Auburn lost the game because of that play or because of that call. It is no. it is bad when there is a call like that and it's obviously the correct call and then it's overturned for no reason. Yeah, that I don't get. I mean, you obviously called it on the field. How, I mean, what makes you think? Because and they even it doesn't matter that it's on the ear hole. That's still part any opening. Is still, yeah, still it, they'll a face call mask. a face mask. So, um, you know, if you're going to call it, you, you obviously saw something. You threw it. Um, I guess someone else, I mean, one of the other officials came in and said, no, nah, that's not a flag. So, whatever. I mean, you know, we've gotten calls before, but it's not the reason why we lost. I mean, we dominated the majority of that game. Uh, Should have done a lot of better things, better play calling, but I'll get to that later. Uh, this tweet comes from Alex Byington. It'll be our last tweet of the day. Uh, LSU's top head coaching candidates one month ago. Jimbo Fisher, and this has an X by him, allegedly staying at Texas A&M. Lincoln Riley, X by him. He's headed to USC. Was you surprised by that announcement to do today? Because I sure I was. was. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely shocked. Um, but he's already got some guys uh, switching to USC. So Yeah, he does. That's. Uh, it sounds like this might have been a thing in the works for a bit. Um. The tweet continues, Mel Tucker, he's got an X beside him, signed a huge extension at uh, Michigan State. Dave Aranda, X by him, staying at Baylor. Billy Napier, X by him, headed to Florida. And that leaves Bill O'Brien, still Alabama's offensive coordinator. Do you think there's any chance they hire Bill O'Brien? Do you think they go for maybe an NFL guy, as the rumors are? or I don't know. I, I mean, I don't really know where they go at this point. I'm interested to see, you know, what will happen with Dan Mullen with all these openings. That dude could land somewhere. He really um, could, yeah. Heck, he could land at Oklahoma. Um, but maybe, yeah, I, yeah. I don't. Um, we'll see. I don't really know where they go because it's almost the same situation. Auburn was almost in there last year, where they're trying to get a lot of guys and it wasn't working out. Um, but I feel like LSU's in a worse position, just mm-hmm. because. Now with Leak and Riley was basically uh, that almost sounded like a lock for about a week or so, and right. the fact that you lose him to USC, a program that hadn't been relevant in, since the early two thousands, um, it's not a good look. But but you would think somebody would want to go to LSU because that's a very good program, plenty of money, and they're going to yeah. get the recruits. Um, oh, definitely. I, so, I've always said if I was a college athlete and I could play anywhere, I'd play at LSU. It just looks fun. <laughs> It looks like yeah, a blast. I mean, yeah, they've, they've always had a great tradition, great program. Uh, it's a great, fan, you know, pretty crazy fan base that's committed to the team. And um, so, 
you would think some coach would that'd probably be a great dream job. So they'll probably find somebody. I just don't know who it's going to be at the moment. And I'll have to look around and see. I mean, I like your idea. I think Joe Brady going there that would be awesome for him. Yeah, um, but so if too. I but if I'm Joe Brady, I'm in the NFL's OC, and they're they're already talking about him possibly landing a head coaching job in the NFL at some point. Oh, oh yeah. I really want to go back to LSU when I'm kind of moving up in the ranks. Yeah, it I might be know. kind of like a step backward. Unless you just yeah. have a love for college, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, I always, I always hate it, you know, when got like Chip Kelly made, went to the NFL, didn't work out, and then he backs up to college. It's almost like a huge jump back. Um, or like Lane Kiffin when he was with the Raiders. It's it's like oh well you suck at the NFL just you know go back to the college where you can easily be more successful because right. NFL coach is a whole different ball game. Oh yeah, it's um, more of like being a a manager at a store than than actually. Yeah, and I, I would I would say too you probably have a pretty good um like in the going into the into the draft and draft picks that you know they probably look to you to make some decisions. I mean you're not the all in, you know, you're going to make the final decision, but and there's a lot that goes into that as well. So yeah, uh, I don't. If I'm him, I wouldn't go back to college. I would stick it out where I am right now because you got more possibilities in the NFL. Well, before we break down this week's games, there are a few uh, things of note that happened this week. I'll start out with some tough news. Uh, Cecil Hurt, the longtime Alabama beat writer, radio personality, he passed away this week from complications yeah. with pneumonia. Um, he was fine just earlier this month, November 8th, he was tweeting and then kind of hit him out of nowhere, which, uh, which is tough. I saw Auburn did a nice tribute for him in their press box, which is nice. I saw that. Yeah. Um, but in other news, a little lighter news, Mel Tucker, as we said, uh, him and, um, um, Penn State coach, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name here. Oh, Franklin. Um, yeah, yeah, James Franklin both signed huge ten-year deals. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, James Franklin signed a nice ten-year deal to get those eight and five seasons. Oof. Yeah. So I mean, they're making as much, and I think one of them may be making more than Saban, or right up there with them. I think uh, so. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I think it's eighty-five million and ninety-five million. I can't remember who has which, but uh, Mel Tucker has the ninety-five. So okay. Well, there you go. Uh, Wow. Well, I hope it works out for him. Don't see that it will. Yeah, I, I've luck. never, I've never understood it. I mean, because a guy like Mel Tucker, he's been there. What is this? His second season. Um. um yeah. Second or third season. Second or third. I gotta look um, it up. I mean, ten years is a long time, especially with somebody. He's he's had a great season this year, and he's turned the program around since. Uh, whoever the I keep I can't forget the guy that was there before. He was there for a long time. Um. I mean, that's – and for Franklin, too, who, a guy that you could easily fire next – I mean, you could go – you could have a losing record with this Penn State team. They're so yeah. up and down. Um, but, yeah, you could just have one bad season. You're like, oh, gosh, I gave this guy a 10-year deal. Now I'm going to have to pay his buyout if I don't want him here anymore. I, is, that's why I feel like it's, you need to do like four or five years at the max. Because yeah. coaches are leaving – it's rare you have coaches stay for so long, like Saban – and um, Sweeney's been at Clemson for a while, and guys like a coach at Iowa. I, I mean, it's it's rare you see coaches like that, especially nowadays. Back in the day, they would stay at a school for a pretty good while, but um, I just don't understand a 10-year deal. 
It's a second year, and you know, last year they went two and five. This year, ten and two. It's a huge improvement. But do you want to put? I mean, we'll be thirty three when that happens. <laughs> this builds up. Yeah, it's, if if he was, a it's a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. five years at the max. If I'm ever, if I was in that position, offering a head coach, um, an extension or a job like that, just ten years wait. Like I think they gave Jimbo a ten year deal too, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a I, long deal. I can't remember how long, but yeah, it was yeah. at least 10 years. I, I don't get it because coach, coaches are going to – there might be a better position that opens up, especially when you're at Michigan State or Penn State. There's better positions that are going to open up at some point, and you're like, ah, oh, man, that's a dream job or that's a kind of a life-changing job, and that happens every year. So just give them four or five years. Keep it there. Well, either way, good on him. He's going to make some serious yeah, money. Yeah, he's making money. Yeah. I mean, so. Uh, speaking of coaches and making money, Lane Kiffin has delivered Ole Miss their first 10 win season in program history. I did not that's... realize they had never had a 10 win no. season. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. But uh, I bet that's going to be a nice little bonus getting the 10 wins for the first oh, time. So. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, they yeah. may land a New Year's. I mean, it's possible they land a New Year's Six ball. So if so. Oh, yeah, it's a good uh, chance. Or if not a New Year's that's... Six, it's going to be one of those. Well, uh, it's going to be a good ball. Yeah, hiring um, ball. Yeah. Uh, but New Year's Six ball, he gets uh, – he probably gets another big bonus. But we'll see uh, oh, what yeah. he gets. But um, uh, Yeah, they're going to offer oh, – if I'm Ole Miss, you better offer him a pretty good deal because he's turned that program around in just a few seasons. And uh pretty sure he's got a pretty good recruiting class coming in. And I'm pretty um, sure he's got some pretty good offers coming in this year too. So yeah, you better throw oh, some yeah. more money. You at better, him yeah. You, you better him. give him something good because Lane Kiffin is one of those coaches that's like it's a hot name. Yeah, hey, uh huh. I've been here, you know, this is only my second season, but man, there's another job out there I'd rather be at, which I don't mm-hmm. understand. I know there's rumors about if Miami's coach was fired, he'd want to go there. Doesn't make sense. Um, Miami is much harder to recruit. Than like a program in USC changing those historic programs around, I, but I don't, it's a lot easier to recruit Miami than Ole Miss. <laughs> so, yeah, true, but I mean, yeah. I guess if he's done a good job at Ole Miss, you know, he should do a good job at Miami recruiting. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, that's. I will say, um, there's reports that came out. You know, Miami's putting, I think it was twenty or thirty million into the football program. So. They're serious about trying to change the culture there and bring it back to the early 2000s and the 90s and stuff of their uh, good old glory days. So maybe, you know, if that offer opened up, he can go there and change that program around. But, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know if they're going to fire Manny Diaz or not. Yeah, this may not be the year to do it, honestly. Unless no, you, you I, just... I would say unless you have a real commitment from Lane Kiffin, I probably wouldn't do it. This yeah, year. I, I would want, like, Hey, you know, Kiffin, you, you gonna you want to you want to come here if we fire, get rid of D, uh, Diaz, um, because yeah, I don't want to fire him, and then you're gonna be in a terrible position with still jobs yeah. like LSU and Oklahoma, and who else is open? Um, Te- uh, <laughs> oh, uh, we're already forgetting Virginia Tech, I believe, maybe. Yeah, Virginia Tech, possibly. Um, I mean, so. Florida just got filled with Billy yeah, Napier. We haven't, said, we haven't mentioned that. Yes, oh, yeah, Billy Napier. Yeah. Uh, so there's a bunch of college jobs open um, and more that's going to open as these uh, teams keep flopping around. And like we just saw, USC closed up, but then Oklahoma just opened back up. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. There's going to be a lot of that. So 
we'll see how LSU and Miami and some of these other teams end up. Um, but yeah, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't just risk it. I would make sure I had him locked in uh, before no, I with, uh, pulled the trigger there. Yeah, the uh, no, off season. In other news, uh, Brian Robinson, the Alabama running back, Nick Saban has revealed that he has a pulled leg muscle and he is questionable to return for Saturday's game at the SEC Championship against Georgia. That would be a big loss for Alabama if he is not able to play, or even if he's not 100%, which Yeah, I'm pretty sure he pulled, his, he pulled his quad. There's there's no way he'll, he'll be back in a week to play. Yeah. I mean, that's that's tough you know, to come back in a week from an injury like that. Oh, um, yeah. So, <laughs> Alabama's going to be in a tough spot. I know i got a couple of Alabama fans – and you know, in the family that are like, oh man, you know, we we're gonna win this. We got a chance. You know, I mean, they're not very realistic, but you know, <laughs> we'll talk more about that here in a bit. But before we get into the Iron Bowl and the SEC Championship, quickly, Justin, let's go over some of the other big games of the weekend, um, and I'll kind of go in order of what I've deemed them interesting. Um, so Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, thirty-seven to thirty-three. That was kind of a big blow. If they had won that, maybe Lincoln Riley sticks around for, you know, he obviously sticks around for the conference championship and then maybe the playoffs if they win there. But yeah. uh, he's not sticking around for a for a bowl game, just a regular nah. bowl game, is he? So uh, Oklahoma State now going to represent in the Big 12 championship against Baylor, and that's going to be a very interesting game. Yeah, um, I think I told you I, um, I saw Oklahoma State winning out. I thought they'd play better defense. Um, second half, they were lights out, though. They didn't give up any offensive touchdowns. Um, I think they have a pretty good shot against Baylor. I think Baylor's pretty beat up. I know their quarterback didn't play this past game for Baylor against Texas Tech, and they barely beat them on a um, – I think Texas Tech missed a last-second field goal to tie it. So Oklahoma State should win. Um, they've had a really good season. Their defense is very strong, which is, you know – odd to say coming from the Big 12, but I think it's pretty refreshing to see someone in the Big 12 championship other than Oklahoma. So, yeah, for sure. And you mentioned that be... defense. Uh, that was kind of led by Malcolm Rodriguez. He had uh, 11 total tackles, five solo, two sacks, three tackles for loss. He was all yeah. over the place on that off uh, against an Oklahoma offense. And some other guys, too. Uh uh, Harper, he had 10 total tackles, 7 solo, a sack. Devin Harper, that is. Um, and a couple others thereafter had some more uh, solo tackles. But uh, especially Rodriguez, he was all over the place that game. And uh, he's not a big kid either, 5'11", uh, no, 225 yeah. pounds. I mean, that's good. He's pretty pretty dense, but he's uh, he's not a huge kid. So that's uh, it's good for a linebacker, to, uh, especially for the Big 12, to be dominating like that oh yeah uh as for the quarterbacks uh caleb williams he was 20 for 39 252 yards three touchdowns uh it'll be interesting to see there are some rumors that maybe he could follow lincoln riley to usc i don't know if that's just completely rumors nothing to that but <laughs> yeah uh, that could be interesting that would leave oklahoma in an even worse spot if that were to happen yeah because uh, um he's looked pretty good i yeah um yeah, because, I mean, Radler, I still can't believe he was starting there for a few weeks because we know he ain't that good. So um, it was good to see this uh, freshman come up, and he's, you know, been pretty solid. I think if 
he follows Riley, I think he can be pretty good at USC. Um, but yeah, if that happens, I don't know if you're him, you know, do you want to stay at Oklahoma? Um, but there's always the risk, you know, who's going to be the coach that comes in because I mean, right. Riley's been pretty successful with quarterbacks. So I wouldn't blame him for transferring. I think it'd be a pretty good move on his part and he could develop over at USC. So that, yeah, that'll be interesting. I think Oklahoma's going to be in a pretty bad spot these next couple of years. For Oklahoma State, uh, Spencer Sanders, he didn't look great, did he? He was 19 for 30, 214 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. But he was much better on the ground. He had 16 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. Um, yeah, and- he, he's not bad. Um, I think he could, you know, screw up any chance they have, you know, against Baylor if their defense isn't looking good and offense can't get it going. Because even Gundy has made that point, too. He's like, you know, we don't want to get into a shootout with anybody because that's just not how we're built. Um, they're built on the defensive side of ball, you know, put pressure on the quarterback, not give up many points. Cause I think they're second in the country with points per game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they should be fine against Baylor. I don't see Baylor giving them too much trouble. So hopefully they don't have to lean on the offense. Cause I think that's what will put them in trouble. Well, ESPN gives Oklahoma state a 63.7% chance of winning and Vegas says they are a five point favorite as of now. Uh, yeah. Do you think that's pretty fair? You think they will handle business against Baylor? They should. Um, but, you know, a team like this that hadn't been in a position like the Big 12 championship, I mean, I, I don't think they've never made it to a Big 12 championship since they introduced it in, what, 2011? So, I mean, it's a whole new ball game. Baylor was there last season, so they've got experience at least. Um, so, you know, there's always that factor of hadn't been there. How are you going to react? What are you going to perform when you're under pressure in a big game like that? Because if they win, with if everything goes their way in other games, they're going to be in the top four and they're going to make the playoff. So it, there's going to be a lot of pressure. We'll see how they react to it. Baylor is also your most likely chance of getting a two-loss team into the playoffs. You have a two, you know you have your two-loss Baylor with a conference championship, and you have some other things go your way, maybe. Alabama and Michigan both lose. They uh they have a, a pretty interesting chance of getting in there. Um, yeah, still a Baylor, sh- long I, shot, but it could happen. Uh, yeah, I don't see if Baylor was to win and Michigan and about Alabama were to lose, how they would put Baylor over Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame would still sneak in over uh, any two loss team, even a two loss team with a conference championship. So because at least going Notre Dame's way, their one loss is to the number three team in the country. So. I find it hard for them to ever, to jump Notre Dame. Don't see how that would happen. Well, uh, let's talk about another exciting game that happened this week. LSU beating Texas A&M, pulling off the upset 27-24 to to make bowl eligibility. Um, and this play, this game ended on uh, with, what was it, a minute 38 left, I believe? Or was it less I think than that? It was, I, th- I think it was less than that. It was kind of similar to the... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It was with 20 seconds left. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Jenkins, 28-yard pass from Max Johnson for the win. Um, I think Texas A&M got the ball back. We didn't do anything with it right after that. Uh, but, at the you know, at one point, um, LSU was, you know, doing pretty well up 14-7. to And then in the fourth quarter, uh, Texas A&M just kind of came back, took the lead. I didn't get to watch a lot of this game. I was kind of watching it at a restaurant on the TV. And then uh, I did get to catch the final play, uh, which was just amazing. Then uh, Coach O's 
uh, interview after the game was incredible too. I don't know if you got to yeah, watch any of that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, this is not. Yeah, it, it, this isn't a good loss for Texas A&M, is it? No, it, uh, it's very similar to the uh, Iron Bowl finish. Yeah, I don't know how you give up something like you already know what's going to happen. Twenty seconds left. You know they're going for the end zone. How right. are you going to get beat on a a route, a, just a go route like that? <laughs> um, I don't get it. Um, it's you know Jimbo Fisher. He's it's the same thing every year. I mean, last year was kind of exception, but uh, the reason for last year was just because it was a weird, it was a weird season last year with COVID going on and everything. Um, I felt like he probably had some motivation going into this season with them being left out of the playoff in their mind. Uh, but just another average season. This is, I know they have a good recruiting class coming in. Um, I think they're ranked like second or third right now. Um, so I'll be interested to see what he does with that next season. If it's another kind of same record, I wouldn't be surprised. But, you know, you want to be a little concerned if you're getting these good recruiting classes and you can't do anything with them. So we'll, we'll see how he does next season. I think it's fair to be to be quite concerned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, is... I mean, yeah, when you pay, when you give this guy a 10-year deal and you're paying him the money, and it's been mostly the same seasons, you know, it's, what, th- four lost seasons? Um, they, I think they expected a lot more, especially with uh, Kellen Mond there. They're like, oh, he's going to develop him into something really good. And he never really uh, – it was just average. Um, I, I've never really been a fan of Fisher. I think he, he – of course, he lucked out with Jameis Winston there when they won the national championship. And, you know, ever since then, he's the quarterback whisperer. He knows everything. Well, you know how to <laughs> how to coach a quarterback, how to get him in the NFL, and what 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 quarterback is he coach that's successful in the NFL? I mean, Jameis Winston, he was he was the first quarterback to throw thirty plus touchdowns and thirty plus interceptions in a season. Um, <laughs> I, he was okay to start with the Saints, but we don't know how that would have gone because he tore his ACL. So, you know, I that's a whole lot of crap. So, like I said, I'll be interested. He's recruiting well right now. He's got plenty of talent in Texas. Um, We'll see what he does with it next year. If it's the same kind of season, I'd be pretty concerned. Yeah, if because I was a and M fan. Because this is his recruits. This is year four. These are, these are yes, his this guys. Is, yeah, I mean it's hard to believe. Yeah, this is year four, and you know what is this? That was their fourth or fifth loss. Fourth loss wasn't it? That was their fourth loss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have the, they have the same record at the end of the regular season they did his first year there, eight and four. They finished yeah. nine and four with a bowl win. The year yeah. after they went eight and five, and then of course last year the exception nine and one. And an all yep. SEC schedule, not easy to do. He needs to have credit for that. But then, yeah. um, you know, you kind of. But, I'll, right but back a lot of the it. SEC last year was was it was just Alabama, and it was that was it. Yeah. Um. So they didn't really have much competition, and you see what happened against Alabama. They got crushed. So, like I said, I think you'll we can tell a lot by next next season, and if it's another four loss season. I wouldn't be very happy because you paid him that much money to go to try to compete for a West title and make the SEC championship, and he hadn't been close so far. So they 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 paid him to win a national championship, and he hasn't won the West. And I, I know yeah. year four, they weren't necessarily expecting him to do it in four years, but no. you haven't seen much progress there, have you? <laughs> so no, yeah. Uh, I mean, he is getting paid nine million a year. So Man, pretty... I, w- I wish I was getting paid nine million a year to have four losses. That's nice. Yeah, me too. So uh, they also Heck, just Saban's, Saban's not even getting paid that, and he's getting 
He's had 10-plus winning seasons for, what, 14, 15 straight seasons now, and that's a record, and he's not even making that kind of money. So <laughs> They've also extended him. This happened in September, extended him for four more years. That puts him through 2031. Golly. So $9 million a year through 2031. That's a lot of money. Good on him, but uh, maybe not good on Texas yeah. A&M for doing it. <laughs> yeah, if it doesn't work out. <laughs> All right, and the last game we're going to quickly talk about before we get to the Iron Bowl. Um, Ohio State goes down to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh gets his first win against the Buckeyes, 42-227 in Ann Arbor. Uh, This probably, mm, I'm not going to say it it ruined Shroud's Heisman chances. He still probably did a better, has more impressive stats than Bryce Young, but uh, I don't know if the the voters are going to more look at that record and Bryce Young's ability to end up winning in overtime. I think it depends on what Bryce Young does this week as well as a few others. Yeah. But um, uh, Stroud did go 34 for 49, 394 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, still a very impressive performance. They just couldn't yeah. uh, match the points that Michigan was putting up with their running game, which was dominant the entire game. Yeah, I thought um, Michigan came out in the first drive and they uh, drove it down and scored. And um, – Really, from then on, I mean, the defense was really was impressive, even giving up, you know, 394 passing yards. But their run defense was really good. Um, I think they sacked Stroud, you know, four or five times. Um, I was, I think that was a very probably Harbaugh's best Michigan game since he's been at Michigan. Oh, um, without a doubt, yeah. I think it was he took advantage of the weather, ran the ball. I mean, Michigan's quarterback is it kind of reminds he's a little worse than Stinson Bennett. But, I mean, they ran for like 297 yards. If you can do that, you're going to be able to compete with anybody because Haskins, I think he ran for five touchdowns, and he was dominant the whole game. So um, I think it could have been even worse for Ohio State if a quarterback there didn't throw interception kind of in the first quarter when they were in the red zone. So this definitely saved Harbaugh's job. I think if he would have lost this game, I – I don't know how you don't fire them. You're 0-6 against Ohio State. You're, that was probably your best chance since you've been there to beat them, and you're at home uh, with that crowd there. That was great the whole game. So, you know, good on them. I'm glad, you know, they finally beat Ohio State. It's been since 2011. So I think um, they have a good shot of winning the Big Ten, too, against Iowa. But, yeah, I was, I was, it was an impressive game. I was um, – pleased to see them actually play well because we know with Michigan and Harbaugh it hadn't been a good match with big games so it was good to see yeah and hey I did I'm glad it panned out too because I know I said a few weeks ago I was like they're gonna beat Ohio State and I was yeah you did you called it I I was kind of drawn back a little bit though after watching Ohio State throttle Michigan State but um yeah it it worked out how I thought because I think Michigan's they've been really solid this year I I know Michigan State could have gone either way um, right. So I, I watch out for Michigan. I think they could play uh, pretty tough in the playoffs. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, especially as long as they don't half. choke. I mean, oh gosh, who yeah. knows what's going to happen? They'll probably lose to Iowa for all we know. And Iowa can well, barely even score fourteen points a game. Don't put so. it past Harbaugh. He could be very yeah. well cut. But Hassan Haskins, like you said, twenty-eight carries, one hundred and sixty-nine yards, five touchdowns. Uh, AJ Henning also had a touchdown on the ground. Uh, yeah, if you allow six rushing touchdowns, you're probably not going to win that game, are you? That's uh, no, that's yeah. pretty dominant yeah. performance. I mean, Ohio State's defense screwed, especially with how they looked against Michigan State, uh, especially against um, 
uh, Kenneth Walker. I mean, they dominated him. They shut him down in that game. So that was kind of shocking to see. But, I, you know, on the road in that kind of environment and then with the weather, it, it just didn't go their way from the start. All right, well, let's finally get to the meat of this episode. Let's talk about mm. the Iron Bowl, Alabama, coming back to win 24-22 to at Jordan-Hare. The first ever Iron Bowl to go into an overtime, and this one went into four of them. Um, yeah. It was also Brian Harson's debut in the Iron Bowl, um, and uh, as well as Bryce Young. So, Justin, you want to kind of walk us through <laughs> kind of what happened here, what you saw. Uh, I know you probably want to talk about the Auburn defense, which was absolutely dominant. Uh, I, yeah, I think they had a nearly perfect game. Yeah, um, I'll start with the defense. And, um, you know, I feel bad for the seniors out there, especially with, you know, they have put a lot of work in and have had some successful years since they've been there. But, gosh, I mean, that was one of the better defense defensive performances I've seen from the Auburn team, you know, in a, you know, a few years, especially against, you know, Alabama offense that had been averaging 44 points a game and against, you know, supposed Heisman uh, candidate and Bryce Young. Uh, I love the plan that Derek Mason dialed up. He uh, He's not one to blitz. Uh, he's one that usually will run a three-man front and, or a four-man front and uh, usually back up. And he's kind of – he's a soft zone. He's never kind of a press zone kind of guy. But uh, he dialed up some great blitzes and some great stunts on the D-line. Um, and knowing how Alabama's O-line has been, you can see how they were against A&M and giving up all the sacks. Uh, they took advantage of it. I mean, they sacked Bryce Young uh, eight times. Usually you would think if you sack somebody eight times, you're going to come out with a W. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought they were great. I mean, McLean played hard. Wooten was good. The D-line was outstanding. Uh, Wooden and Hall and... T.D. Moultrie finally back healthy. He was he was a problem as well. Um, McCreary, he's first round draft pick is what they're projecting. He was all over Mechie during that game. Um, I I feel awful for that defense because they were like you said they were lights out. Um, Alabama couldn't get anything going until you know later late parts of the fourth quarter. Which I mean I knew at some point they would get something going. You just hope your offense could do more than what they did. So I'll kind of switch to the offense. Uh, they had 159 total yards. 159 total yards. So if you look at what other teams have done against Alabama, you can you know bring something up about the game if you want while I'm looking this up. But I know LSU had some success moving the ball. Arkansas had plenty of success moving the ball. Um, so it was frustrating just because it felt like the game uh, the game plan was we need to get the run going of course you can't do that because Alabama's only given up what like two yards of rush two yards of carry um and we knew <laughs> I knew Finley wasn't gonna do anything the past game but you kind of hope maybe something will get going but with him getting hurt on uh, one of those plays that ruined any chance of them getting a pass game going but um, yeah. even before and, that, though, I, ca- I kind of thought he looked a little clueless at some points. Um, he was fine, but, you know, if you, can't, if you can't get at least 200 yards of total offense, you don't deserve to win the game, well, even with how great the defense was. I had, without Finley getting 
negative 42 yards. You nearly have 200 yards of offense. Yeah, that's the thing because but yeah, he had, can't move in the pocket. Yeah, he had negative 42 yards. That puts a big dent in those stats. Of course, he was sacked six times. Yeah, um, so here's here's my issue with that too, which I still I don't get it what you know Bobo's thinking with the offensive scheme or the play calls going into a game like this. You know TJ Finley, he's not going to be moving around the pocket. Right. We all know that, correct? Yeah. So why are you not calling plays, quick slant routes, out routes, uh, even with the bubble routes? You see the one time we scored, ran a quick bubble route, and uh, Hudson was able to make a play. Why are we not calling more calls like that? Because if Finley holds onto the ball that long, uh, you see what he was doing. He was pump faking. Through the, he didn't want to get rid of the ball. Right. Um, and the offensive line's not going to be able to block for that long against that D-line. So it just it doesn't make sense. You need to have play calls where he's holding the ball two two seconds tops. Get something quick over the middle. Um, it's it's frustrating. Or like with the running calls. Obviously, everybody in the world knew what was going to happen on that third and one with a minute forty two left. Right. Obviously, we're going to run it up the middle. How about run a play action? Or how about run a sweep? How run, how about run a power instead of going straight through the a gap? Where every Alabama player is going to be, how about run to the B or C gap? I mean, it's just, like, come on! Everybody knew that was coming. Run something else. I'm, think, I'm fine uh, if they tried to throw the ball right there. So, but you know, I think there were a lot of issues for play calling on both sides of the ball. I'm going to transition really fast to some of the yeah. issues on Alabama here. So, Alabama's play calling on offense, um, really, you know what? In overtime. I thought I was very pleased with the play calling, especially that touchdown pass uh, for the final two points. I thought that was a very, very interesting uh, play, getting everybody on the right side and then having that one-on-one matchup on the left that you know you got a good chance of winning. That was very smart. Uh, Something I had an issue with for the offense in general, though, is we kept running, uh, Alabama kept running to the right. Um, yeah. And that did not seem to work out very well, did it? There was, uh, no. That's the weak side of the line. It's very obvious. Everybody is aware that the right side for Alabama is their very weak side. Um, the left side is much stronger. You're behind uh, O'Neill, who's going to be probably a first-round draft pick. And when uh, Robinson was able to run to the left, it typically was a positive yardage play. Uh, not every yeah. time, but for most of the time, he'd get you know 3 2 Six yards running to the left. Yeah, his longest carry of the game was uh, a run to the left. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, and I get you can't do that every time. That no, you, you no. know you just load up that side. That's totally fine. But it felt like and maybe it was just how it felt. I need to go back and look at it. But it felt like the rushes to the right were three times as many as the rushes to the left. Oh um, yeah, it was just very constant. Um, another issue with the offensive line, and this isn't necessarily, I mean, with the offense, and this isn't necessarily a play-calling issue, um, but the offensive line for Alabama this year is very weak, just in yeah. general. Um, yeah. And Bryce Young is all, already not the tallest guy in the world. Um, so, you know, seeing over those linemen probably is an issue. Um, and then not to have much time either while you're trying to do that is uh, yeah. is very difficult. But... Uh, some positives, like uh, you said, the defense for Auburn played lights out. I thought the defense for Alabama was does, was the best defensive performance we've seen from Alabama this year. Um, they did have yeah. six sacks or six total sacks, um, forty six 
solo tackles, 15 tackles for loss as a team. That's uh, and of course an interception, nearly two if that one doesn't come back. So that's, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, you can't really complain holding to an opponent 10 points in regulation. That's about as good as you're going to get as a defense in 2021, the way the game is now. Um, so, you know, I, I think both of Alabama and Auburn's issues were offensive this weekend. Yeah, and I already knew coming into the game, offense would be an issue. So, I mean, I'm not surprised Alabama shut them down. That didn't shock me at all with T.J. Finley playing quarterback. Um, like we we said earlier today, um, if Bo Nix was playing, I think Auburn wins just because of his ability to move around and not get yeah. sacked six times. I think they win in regulation game. by a touchdown um, or a 12 field goal. You know. Or at least by a field goal, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he would have had, and he's he's a better passer than Finley is too. So right, it would have been a it would have been a different game. I I think, but I I still have you know issues with some of the play calling. Um, I also have a big issue with them keeping Finley out there. Dude can't even put any pressure on his ankle. Um, I know we've got Demetrius Davis on the sideline who's redshirted. But you you know this as well. You can play four games and not burn the red shirt. Um, you also have Grant Loy, another option at quarterback. So you have two options there. Why aren't we using him? Um, why are you forcing this guy who can barely walk out there in the field? Can't even put any pressure on his leg. Um, all to him for playing hard and making some making that good throw in overtime too. Yeah, but yeah. I thought I thought he had no- a fairly decent game. I thought he did for an injured quarterback as much as you could probably ask for him, an injured second string, you know, that's, um, you know, kind of making the best of a, a bad scenario. Yeah, uh, you just you can't put a quarterback in that. So I have issue with that. Um, other issue I had was, so you're six and five, you're an Auburn team, you have nothing to lose, you're not playing, you're just playing to win the Iron Bowl, um, and you're trying to knock Alabama of having any shot of going to the playoff. Why in the world are you not going ahead and going for two in that first, it, what was it? I think it was the first overtime. Yeah, that first overtime. You score it. You Alabama already scored on their first drive. You score the tied up to try to tie it up. Why not just go for two? Go ahead yeah. and end, try to end the game right there. Because kicking the extra point, there's no chance. You don't stand any chance with Alabama in that kind of format once it gets to let's go for two every single overtime. Just go ahead and try to end it right there. I have no problem. If we would have lost it right there, so what? You know, we should have won yeah. it in regulation, but at least we're trying to win it right here. Put all the put all your cards on the table and try to win it right there. I had issue with that. I honest, I, I truly thought we would have gone for two, and I was shocked when he sent the extra point team out there. So I agree with you because because you are at home, and because the crowd was so into it. I think yeah. you go for it. If it doesn't work out, so be it. You know. Yeah, I would have uh, had no issue if we would have not gotten it up. So what? You know, I know yeah. this wasn't supposed to be a close game. Um, I'll touch on that in a second. From what I'm seeing, some people talk about that, but um, you're in. You're at least here. Go for two. You're going for the win. Don't go for more overtime because you stand no chance at that point. Especially with the defense played great all game, but now they've been on the field a lot. Like yeah, I think Alabama only ran. Alabama only ran like 37, 38 plays in the first half, but the second half they were on the field so much because Auburn couldn't keep the ball long enough. So they're right. worn out. Um, just try to end the game. It, it, that baffled me a little bit. Um, 
and uh, gosh, it, it, it eats at me. I, I wish, you know, that there would have been more thought into that, but, um, yeah, it is what it is. And, um, I'll bring up, so of course I've, I've seen fans bring up, you know, well, you know, we were three touchdown underdogs and we never were even supposed to be in this position, but, oh, the, you know, I'm just so glad we were here and, you know, we may not have won, but I'm, yeah, I'm so proud. You think, you think any of those players are like, man, you know, we were three point, uh, three touchdown underdogs and we almost won. My gosh, man. <laughs> I feel so good. Man, those players are pissed and upset, especially the seniors, because that was their last shot. And right. to be in that, because you play, just like the famous line is, you play to win the game. You don't play to, well, we almost won. Ooh. I get well, tired. It's a loser mindset. Well, that's something and, that Brian Harson touched on. I think he's kind of trying to change that, that view of things, because he said there are no moral victories. That's why you keep score. Uh, he said that after Heck the game, no, but, yeah. and you know, and I think that's a good attitude because you think back to Gus Malzahn. He said after going hey, you, after six wins, saying, "Oh, that was a solid year. We got a lot of, you know, yeah, essentially moral victories." Just imagine victories. if it it's, was Gus, he would have been like, "Oh, well, you know what? They weren't even projecting us to be in position. We got here. I'm so proud. You know, yeah. this is a moral victory. This is going to be momentum." No, yeah. ain't none of those players are proud of losing a game. No, you're not getting paid for moral victories. You're getting paid no. for so, wins on your win column. Um, I think I like that he's bringing that into the players because it's it doesn't just stop at the players. It's got you got to have fans that believe that too. That are not right. just okay with uh, we almost won. You know, we almost beat this. You need that uh, pressure from team. the fan base. Yeah, you, yeah, you got to have yeah. fans that are like, man, I expect this, this, and this because Auburn should be a winning program with the recruits they get and with the talent they get year in and year out. I know it's tough competing with Alabama, but at some point it's got to start with the fans too. Like, man, you know, I'm not okay with just almost winning a game. I, I want to be upset. you got to hate losing a game more than you love winning it. And I know the players are upset. Um, because Harson's, you know, put that in their head all season long. Um, but I, it just makes me sick when I see fans talk about that because you can't be okay with this. I mean, I was, I, I was really glad to see a good game, but I don't want to be okay with losing. Right. <laughs> Especially when it comes to, you know, having a chance to beat Alabama. So um, I, I get tired of seeing that. It's the, it's the war eagle anyways mindset. It's like, well, you know, you know, we suck, but you know, <laughs> woohoo! We're eagle, anyways. <laughs> I'm, I'm still very proud to be an Auburn fan. I always, I don't care if we go 0 and 12 one season. I'll still be a huge Auburn fan. But you, you can't be okay with it. That, that's just the way I see it. And I think that's what I like about Harson. I think he's going to bring a different culture here, and you've seen it. You know, each week it's a different week. Got to be one and 0 mindset. Um, my only concern is. Three straight games, you blow a double-digit lead. Um, at some point, that it comes down to the coaching. You can't put that on the players. Yeah, because definitely. you got to have a better game plan. Once you get in that position, you can't kind of draw back. And we've kind of seen that. There's been a lot of drawback. Like, oh, let's kind of slow it down, take it easy. I like where we're at. And that was an issue with Gus. That's kind of led to his downfall. So we'll see how next season goes. I think I, he's going to be a good coach. But if I had one concern, it's playing in the second half. Second half football for Auburn, no good. It's yeah, that's good. something that it need that needs to be fixed immediately because that's not 
really a personnel thing. That's something no. that, you know, that, that has to be adjusted and corrected, whatever you got to do to make that happen. I have no idea yeah. uh, what the cause of that may be, but it's, you know, Brian Harson's job to figure that out and figure out how to solve that. Yeah, and um, I think Mike Bobo's going to be gone as OC. I think, yeah. I think Derek Mason will still be there because I think so um, too. with that game plan he had against Alabama was great. Um, I think he kind of kept his job with that uh, performance against Alabama. But, yeah, Bobo is gone. I thought that was a questionable hire in the season anyways. Um, I hope Harson will do some good searching. Heck, <laughs> I know this wouldn't happen, but it would be crazy. If he somehow got Mullen to come in as an OC, that would be funny. Um, uh, he's, he needs a job. so <laughs> He does need a job, so, you know. But I know that, that wouldn't happen. But let's see if we can get a talented OC, um, kind of – run the offense. I mean, this Bobo was so repetitive with his calls and it was questionable calls throughout the season. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing, you know, who's he going to replace him with? Cause look, there's, I know he hadn't fired him yet, but there's no question he's going to be gone. And it's, it was kind of hinted after the South Carolina game as well that, um, he's not going to be there. So like I said, you know, it, it's, it was a very disappointing loss. There's no question about it, especially when you're, you dominated that whole game. Alabama stood no chance majority of that game, especially the way they looked on offense. But the Auburn's offense just kept giving it right back to them. So that's, Alabama's offense was bound to get it going, and that's where we're at. We're 24-22 loss. Um, disappointing into the regular season, and now it's just let's see what crappy bowl they put us in, try to win that, and get into the next season. Well, let's look ahead to the SEC Championship. Uh, number one, Georgia, undefeated, 12-0 for the first time since 1980, will be essentially hosting Alabama as the SEC championship <laughs> yeah. is in Georgia. And I imagine that crowd will be mostly Georgia fans this year. Um, Alabama is an underdog for the first time since 2015. Uh, they were last an underdog also to Georgia, ended up winning that game by quite a significant margin. I don't know that that's going to be the case this year. Uh, they are a six-and-a-half-point underdog Alabama and the ESPN matchup predictor only gives Alabama a 33.5% chance of winning. Uh, I think that spread is probably a little generous toward Alabama. Hmm. I, I thought it'd be more like a 12 point line. Um, but I guess no, it is hard they would to never make Alabama a double well, digit underdog. Come on. It's hard to bet against Nick Saban, I guess. Um, yeah. but you know, this isn't, uh, this, this is going to be, by far and away, obviously, the most difficult game Alabama has faced this year. And I don't know that uh, that they're going to be able to do much against this Georgia defense, which yeah, has been just um, dominant, have only allowed an average of 6.9 points per game, less than a touchdown, an extra point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> whereas Alabama has been essentially allowing 20. Uh, Alabama has been putting up more points per game, but when you allow that barely. many... Uh, yeah. yeah, just barely, 42.3 to 40.7. But um, I don't know. I You know, I never never say Alabama can't win because Nick Saban, these are the games he usually thrives in. Uh, anytime he's an underdog, he kind of is able to get his players in another gear. But uh, on paper, Georgia should absolutely win this game. You'd, you'd agree? Oh, without it. I mean, if Alabama somehow won this game, it would be 
at that point, you got to be thinking, you know, Kirby Smart, what in the world are you doing? I mean, this, <laughs> you finally got a team, the 12-0, and since the last time they won the national championship, correct? Right. Going in the SC game. I mean, this is the most talented team you've probably had since that 1980 championship winning team. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and it all comes back to defense wins championships. It always will. Um, and you're giving up. Now, if I had any concern, Georgia hasn't really played any good offenses. Offenses, I don't even know how you'd say that plural. <laughs> um, this year, that could be a concern, maybe. Um but I mean, six point nine points a game is that's incredible. It, I think I I'd kind of weigh that concern out with Alabama's offense has struggled the past few games, um, right. especially against uh, definitely struggled against Auburn. So I mean, you can kind of have some momentum with coming out to win that game, but can you really? I know Saban's going to be motivating them because he's got to be like, look, you can't be too happy about that win. Should have been better. Um, we're going to have to be perfect against Georgia, especially on the offensive side. Um, but don't underrate don't underrate uh, Georgia's offense. I think Stinson Bennett's surprisingly been playing pretty well. They have yeah. one of the most dominant O-lines in the country. Right. Um, they're going to be able to run the ball well. I know Alabama has really good run defense, but I think Georgia can run the ball well. Um, and then that'll that'll open up the pass game. And if you're going to beat the Alabama team, you got to be able to throw the ball. Especially so, this team. This team is the pass defense is definitely a weaker spot of this defense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're able so, to open that up, you've got a very good shot of kind of tearing that defense apart from, uh, yeah, from I, the back end toward I, the front. I don't see Alabama's offense doing much. I Just not after the performance I saw this past game. Yeah. Um, how is Bryce Young going to be in a big game like this? Because Iron Bowl was the biggest game he'd played in so far, and he looked a little flustered, especially with the blitzes. Right. Um, and you know Kirby Smart's going to—he's going to have these guys. He's had them ready all season long. Um, and I think there's there's been a change, and I guess some Georgia sports, especially with the Braves finally winning a World Series again. I think that it's just like it's the same thing with Michigan. If you can't do it this year, you'll never do it. So <laughs> this is the. This is the perfect recipe. Um, they should win it. Um, I feel like it'll be similar to the Michigan-Ohio State game. Uh, Georgia will dominate, I think, on the ground, and I think the defense will play well. And uh, that should be it for Alabama. It should be. Um, I don't see how they would have a chance with two losses getting into the playoffs. I know the playoff committee would love for Alabama to be in there, but um, – I, I see a George. I see Georgia winning by two touchdowns. Yeah, I think with that offensive line that Alabama has, that Georgia's defense is going to eat them alive. <laughs> I don't think Bryce Young oh, is going to yeah. have. I don't think Bryce Young yeah. is going to have much time at all to do anything, and I think that that is going to put a lot of pressure on that high-powered offense and slow them down significantly. Like I said, yeah, and especially especially without having Robinson too to lean on in the run game, try to get something going. That's going to be an issue as well. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, so if, if if Brian Robinson is not back, which it doesn't seem super likely he will, um, no. that's going to be difficult because that's you know that's uh, Alabama's running back room is already shallow right now. Yep. Uh, you take away Brian Robinson, and that is a very light running back core that uh, Georgia's yeah. very strong defensive line is going to 
just eat up, I think. But uh, we're running out of time here. Justin, would you like to go ahead and hit us with some Night Needs to Know? Oh, yes, of course. Night Needs to Know. Probably with some of the stuff you've done before, I probably wouldn't be surprised. You wouldn't be surprised if I put ashes in cookies and fed them to you? Yeah, because it was someday for the SEC again. That, that might make sense then. I guess just how back. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to know how it makes sense. Now this is looking like a bad idea. Um, so my question was, so with Lane, I mean with uh, Lincoln Riley going to a USC, um, and it already looking like some recruits switched from Oklahoma to USC. Do you think you could have USC as Pac-12 champions a couple of seasons and maybe back to their glory days in a few years? Oh, yeah. I think uh, USC is prime for a rebuild. Uh, there are some issues that maybe uh, some more uh, financially savvy players might yeah, yeah. notice. You know, uh, California is a 13% state tax, I believe. Uh, you start doing those deals, you say, well, I could have 13% more at a, you know, at Florida or uh, you sure. know, a, a school that doesn't have as high estate taxes or any, like Florida has none, then yeah. uh, maybe those guys reconsider. But also, there's a lot of money in California, isn't there? So some of those there businesses is. would probably yeah. pay the difference. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think that they got the best hire they could. I don't think they can do any better than Lincoln Rally, and I don't think there's many hires available better than Lincoln Rally, if any. So, no, um, no, no, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they. I think they hit a home run. I don't know how long it's going to take. Like we said, there's already rumors that he's flipping recruits from Oklahoma to USC, which kind of sucks for US, for Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, they, he doesn't work for them anymore. He can do whatever he wants. So um, I think that we should see results there in two, three seasons. I don't think it's going to be one of these long rebuilds just because – um, he can go ahead and start bringing the talent right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, everybody wants to be at USC. I mean, that's well. If you're if you're a seventeen eight year old, why wouldn't you want to be in Southern California with all the oh, all the yeah. girls and the beaches yeah. and uh, so yeah. I think and then he's gonna be have under a coach like quit. yeah, and then be under a coach like Lincoln Riley, who's you know he's hadn't won a national championship with Oklahoma, but I mean, he's been successful and he's brought yeah, in he's, good recruits. And he's, he's been done in the playoffs. He's with offense. Six time big 12 champion. I mean, he's, yeah. and he's, uh, he's also young and he's relatable. He's a good recruiter. Yep. He's, he's a young guy. He, he's cool. People, you know, I mean, I can see why a kid would kind of be like, I want to play for this guy. So, yep. uh, yeah, I think he's going to have that place turned around. And especially when you're only competing against teams like Oregon for the pac 12. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he's got a good chance of, uh, Getting racking up a lot of Big Twelve, or, I mean, I'm sorry, Pac-12 titles, uh, if he sticks around there for a while. So it's, I think he probably will. He's always been yeah. a guy who wants to go to the NFL, though. He's been pretty open about that. So you know, I have to keep up with that. But so I think I think could, he'll get yeah. at least three years out of him, or so, maybe more. Uh, so now, um, could you see Dan Mullen going to any vacant head coaching positions, or just going to a coordinator position? Yes, I think he will get a job. Um, he's not the kind of guy like Ed Orgeron who can just go retire to hmm. a beach yeah. house. Uh, and he really probably shouldn't. I mean, he's still young, too. 
Yeah. I think he's in his 40s, maybe 45 or so. Um, so he's got a lot of coaching left ahead of him if he wants to. I probably wouldn't. I'd probably just take my money and go relax. But those guys oh, are really built like me and you. They they like the grind, I guess, a little more. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, I think he has a lot of pride. So I think if he's offered a head coaching gig, he'll take it over a coordinating position. I don't know that he's a guy who can go back to answering to a head coach. Um, he's no. been out of being an assistant for so long. And he very obviously has, you know, a big ego. Um, yeah. I think it'd be best for him if he went back and became a coordinator. But there's going to be so many jobs open. I think somebody will throw him a bone, and I think there's a good chance he'll accept it. I agree. All right, that's all I got. Okay, well, thank you, Justin. Uh, You're welcome. Well, let's do um, some night needs to know. I mean, I'm sorry, some mismanagers really fast. Yeah, I'll slow down there, buddy. I don't have anything else. <laughs> and now it is time for mismanagers. The headline of this article by Mashable is, Oh, no, construction workers find a bunch of teeth inside a wall. Oh my gosh, that's horrifying. Wait, what? Yeah. Student says she gave cookies containing grandfather's ashes to classmates. Why would you <laughs> ever tell someone that? Angry Seal helps Australian police bust drug smuggling ring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've got some pretty weird stories from this week for you, Justin. All ready to go. Alrighty. Uh, this guy... This usually my stories are uh, are bad news for people, but this one is very good news for one man who bought a drawing for twenty two dollars. Turned out to be original artwork worth thirty seven million. I, I I always ask myself, how do people luck into things like this? <laughs> like, I mean, how does he luck into getting a painting for twenty two dollars? And how stupid do you have to be the person that was selling it, not knowing what you have? Uh, is worth $37 million. you got to feel awful. You'd have to be sick. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was a um, it was an unframed sketch of a mother and child, which was eloquently drawn onto yellow linen. Um, he didn't expect it was a, an original piece over, of any significance, but, you know, he thought, might as well go get it checked out. Ended up being uh, the art of one of the world's most well-known monograms, Albert Dürer, I believe he's German, um, and um, the artwork has been assessed by experts and scholars, which agree it's original. And conservative estimates put it at thirty-seven million, some up to fifty million. Golly, mm. oh my gosh! Um, oh, I wish I could be one of those guys. Just like, yeah, I mean, I think this painting was cool. I paid twenty bucks for it. Oh, hey, did you know it's worth thirty-seven million? I mean, you're set. You're set for life at that point. Holy oh hell. yeah, no doubt. Uh, here's kids, another. And their kids are set for their life. My goodness. Oh yeah, you're set for forever. Thirty-seven million is pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good. Uh, so. This one comes from allthat'sinteresting.com. A Cape Cod diver was just swallowed and spit out by a humpback whale. Hey, it's like um, uh, Jonah. Yeah. Got more Jonah story here. It says, for 30 to 40 seconds, Michael Packard struggled to escape the well's mouth and wondered if he would be swallowed whole. That would have to be a terrible experience. Golly, yeah, you ain't kidding. Uh, this happened in Massachusetts. Uh, he dove under the water um, with 
his uh, to dive for lobsters with his fishing partner. And as he scoured the sandy bottom, something suddenly struck him. Um, so the next thing he knew, he was on his back. And from the surface, uh, his friend watched as his air bubble suddenly vanished, but he couldn't have guessed what happened. Mm. Um, a humpback whale had accidentally swallowed Packard <laughs> in one huge gulp. That's terrifying. Jeez. He said, everything was yeah, dark. Man. I was like, oh, my God, did I just get by, bit by a shark? And I felt around and realized there were no teeth, and I felt r- really no great pain. Then I realized, oh, my God, I'm in a whale's mouth, and I'm in a whale's <laughs> mouth, and he's trying to swallow me. That's terrifying. Yeah, it really is because, I mean, I, I would think if you get swallowed, there's no uh, no coming back from that. No, nobody's going to find you in a whale's mouth. No. Uh, my That's last story insane. from the day comes from usatoday.com. Um, a woman was charged with a felony for not returning a VHS tape. A felony? <laughs> Texas woman doesn't remember renting a VHS tape 22 years ago, let alone that she didn't return it. And the place she rented it from shut its doors more than a decade ago. But the unreturned tape led to her being charged with a felony. Uh, though this case was dismissed and expunged Wednesday... Karen McBride is looking to legal options. Uh, at 52, she was charged with felony embezzlement of rental property in Oklahoma, where she previously lived in March of 2000, more than a year after the tape of Sabrina the Teenage Witch was supposed to be returned. <laughs> I mean, how petty do you got to be to really go through and go ahead and file somebody, charge somebody with a felony for renting a VHS tape? I mean, that's pathetic. She said that she, I, they, she. Did you say the charges were dropped? Yeah, the charges was from okay. like twenty one years ago, and she actually she okay. just found out about it uh, when she went and uh, tried to get her name changed on her license after getting married. They told her, uh, <laughs> "You've got a warrant." <laughs> oh my gosh! Twenty one years ago. Yeah. I mean, uh, imagine how shocked you would be too. You just you like, hey, we got a warrant for your arrest. Twenty one <laughs> years ago, we never acted on it. Because it's such a silly thing, <laughs> but you can't change your name. That is crazy. I would have flipped That's, out. I would have been like, what did I do 21 years ago? I don't remember. I can't remember what happened three yeah. days ago. And then if they would have, and yeah, and then they bring up, it's, it's because you rented a VHS tape. I would be so pissed. That's so, uh, that's ridiculous, man. So similarly in 2014, a woman from South Carolina was at a sheriff's office for other matters. When she found out she had a warrant for an unreturned 2005 tape of Monster-in-Law, she had to spend the night in jail (laughs) because her bond hearing couldn't be held until the next morning. It's a $2,000 bond she's released on the next day. I mean, I understand you got to act on some of these things, but I mean, any reasonable person is going to be like, look, I'm not putting you in jail because you rented a VHS tape (laughs) 10 years ago, didn't return it. You rented Monster-in-Law? I mean, what are you going to tell? You're going to tell everybody I rented Monster in Law and I forgot to return it, so they threw me in jail. Not even a good movie. No. <laughs> Maybe you should be thrown in jail for a movie like that that you didn't want to return. So, <laughs> golly. Well, we've got um, some listener letters this week, Justin. If you want to reach the show, nice. you can email us at gamemanagerspod at gmail.com. Um, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter at TGMPod. Write us there. This one comes from email. Uh, this one reads, If Brian Harson leaves Auburn, who would you like to see as the next head coach? Also, give me a shout-out, Patrick Morris. Shout-out, Patrick Morris. Hey, shout-out to Patrick Morris. Thank right. you for the question. Uh, it's a good uh, question. Who would I like to see? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to go first? or 
Sure, I don't, I don't mind. I don't think Brian Harson will leave. I know there's rumors that he will go to Washington. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that would have been announced probably today if he would have. Um, but, uh, gosh, I mean, I'm trying to think of a realistic hire. I don't want them, you know, I don't necessarily think Dan Mullen should go out and be the next Auburn coach. <laughs> I'm trying to think no, of, yeah. of uh, coaches that would be available. Um, like we said, hey, go after Kevin Steele. <laughs> yeah, he after Kevin Steele. Um, I think you might want to go after. I know he hasn't left, but after this weird year at Clemson, maybe try to go after Brent Venables at Clemson, the defense oh, coordinator. Yeah. That'd be, I think, a very good hire. Um, yeah, I don't think he'd leave for Auburn, but it has been a weird year at Clemson. Uh, maybe you would want to try something different. I don't know. Um, is there anybody else that you could think off the top of your head that you might like to see? Um, yeah, if you could, I know he's not leaving to go anywhere as far as we know, but Luke Fickle from uh, Cincinnati, I mean, if you could somehow convince him with what he's yeah. done with that program, that would be huge. That'd be um, a great hire. Yeah, I think that would be a great hire. Um, maybe Iowa State's coach, I don't know. Um, they haven't had a great season this year. I know he had a good season last year. Um, and then – I don't really know because a lot of these guys are signing extensions. Um, I think my top guy would probably be Luke Fickle. If you could somehow convince him to come to Auburn, if you know Harson was to to go to Washington for some reason, but um, yeah, in that kind of scenario, I think if you could put all the cards on the table for him to come to Auburn, uh, I think that would be a pretty good hire. But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of stuck thinking, you know, who would I want? Um, what would you think about maybe Dan Lanning, the Georgia defensive coordinator? Yeah. Um, it's been there four years. I know. Yeah, I know his his name's been putting around in different hats too. Um, that would be a good hire. Just, I mean, looking at the defense they have, it's one of the best defenses that have uh, in the past, you know, ten years. So, yeah, that would be a good hire too. But I don't even hadn't really crossed my mind much because I don't plan on it happening. But yeah, and if that kind of scenario, I would go. I would want Luke Fickle. Would you look at uh, with Bill Clark at UAB? Nah, I don't know. Um, only way I'd look at him is if he would get UAB to a, you know, a one loss or possibly undefeated season, and he just you know outplayed every other team and outcoached everybody. Mm. Um, I don't. I I know he's done a lot of good things for UAB, but I mean they didn't even make it to the conference championship this season. So yeah, um, I don't know. I. I still have mixed feelings about him. I think he's fine where he's at, and someone in his position. I think if he was to move up, you kind of want to take it slow. I don't. Th- I think Auburn would be too much. I agree. I think you maybe go to like maybe like a TCU before you go to the SEC, or yeah, go to a smaller like, like Big Twelve team or Pac twelve team. Yeah, um, maybe a American Athletic Conference team. Yeah. Um, so. But, yeah, that's who I would want to go after. Very good question, Patrick. Thank you for writing in. Be sure to do so again. Um, and, Justin, I think that's the episode. Next week we'll be back with uh, – it might be – I guess we'll probably record, I guess, about the same time. I, all the bold stuff should come out that day. So uh, we'll be back next – Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They'll do it on Sunday, right? They'll do the yeah. playoffs and everything. Okay. So next week we will do the 
SEC Championship recap, the final playoff ranking recaps, and all the bowls. And then um, I guess we'll preview the Heisman ceremony, which will be the following week. So, All right, hey, before we go, prediction, I was going to ask you this prediction. So who you got top four? Who's your playoff? After, after, like, who are you predicting to be in the top four coming into next Sunday? I think, I think it'll be Georgia, Cincinnati, uh, Michigan, and I, I, I guess Oklahoma State <laughs> if they win. Uh, if they don't, then Notre Dame. But I think that's, I think the top three are pretty solid, and then I think that fourth spot is between those two. What would you say? Yeah, I think that's that's gonna be your top four. The um, top three, yeah, pretty solid. I, um, Cincinnati should win. I think it'll be close, but um, yeah. yeah, that top four should be Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and then um, Oklahoma State should take care of biz- business. But if they don't, I agree. I think Notre Dame will be put in there in the fourth spot with them only having one loss. Um, I just don't. I don't see many other scenarios unless it's just a crap day for these top four teams. Then chaos could happen. I'd love um, that. I'd yeah. love for some chaos. Yeah, I know you would, so Alabama would make it in. But well, not um, even necessarily. I'd just like to see Michigan not make it. <laughs> I'd like to see I, Notre Dame. I, I, want, Michigan, I mean, want Michigan to make it because I don't want yeah. – I'm, I'm ready for some new teams. So Yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah, I want to see Michigan. I want, I want see Cincinnati, Cincinnati just, to make it. That's one team I really want to see make it. So yeah, I, I just want to see how they. Yeah, I want to see how they. Uh, <laughs> how they'll go against like a Michigan team. So yeah, yeah, I think it'll be fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, all right, Justin, all right. you want to bring us home? Yeah. Hey, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, I know there's probably not many Auburn fans listening to this one. That's okay. I understand. Um, I wouldn't be either if I was in your position. Uh, but hey, check out next week if you are listening, and if you're not, come back. Uh, you know, make sure you're listening next week for the podcast where we go over uh, championship conference championship week and uh, the top four rankings. So, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to check us out more or follow us, you go to at TGM Pod and check us out on Facebook. Uh, we're at Instagram and Twitter. Um, I do, we do have a website. I don't know how's that website looking. What it should be up. I know I keep saying this. It should be up actually next week. I've got it built. I just got to okay, pay for boom. it. I'm waiting to get paid. So next week, uh, next week we should yeah. be up, ready to go. Next week you'll have easy access to that website where we've got the podcast there. There's other cool articles you can click on. Um, should be able to access the merch we got. We've got mm, great chef's kiss. Is some mm. good shirts. Maybe some hats at some point. But right now we got great shirts. Uh, check those out if you want to look cool and rep. The best podcast in sports. Absolutely. Got it right here. Um, But hey, I hope y'all are having a great week. I hope y'all have a great coming week. Hey, Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. We got some good things coming. Um, You know, it sucks to be an Auburn fan the majority of the time, but I'm always proud to be an Auburn fan. And uh, gosh, uh, let's hope next season is a good one. We'll have plenty of time to talk about it going up with all the off-season drama and such, and maybe the Duke's Mayo Bowl or somewhere, somewhere hey. else. We'll see. Hey, I already said, Auburn wins. If they make it to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, they win. I'm getting me a T-shirt. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to be Mayo T-shirt. Let's game. do it. Yep. I'll get one, too. We'll both get one. Yeah, you can get you a Sugar Bowl T-shirt. No, I want a Duke's Mayo Bowl T-shirt. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. I just, think that's uh, it. Anybody that does get one, don't wear it out in public because you may get made fun of. Just keep yeah. it to yourself. Maybe we should. Well, you know what? This week I'll make if if Auburn goes to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, I will make some some off Duke's Mayo Bowl game managers merch, and we will oh, put gosh. it up. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody, have a good week. Yeah, we're going anyways. Blue forty two. Blue forty two. Thank you for listening to the Game Managers Podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe. Goodbye, adios, and sayonara.